Yeah, Sarah, that was amazing. I was actually just this morning in the back, we have every other month, um, wave one and wave two, which is a way to just assimilate into our community um, as a part of this spiritual family. And I had the, the best time today with the ones that just completed all of the wave one classes and we did what was called a partner's class and we come together. And it was so incredible to hear the stories of each individual's journey to bring them to this place, to this spiritual family. But what was at the center of it all was there was this, um, this word that kept coming out of everybody's mouth, and it was the word worship. It was that, that beautiful space uh, that we're finding ourselves in in the journey of life called the kingdom of God. And we were talking about how worship is not just about singing songs on Sunday or, you know, watching something over live stream or listening to uh, X album. It's actually coming to understand three things primarily. Number one, that we have access to the presence of God. Like, I want you to think about that. Like, until Jesus came... You know, if you look at the entire Old Covenant system, there was only one individual that could go into the presence of God, and a lot of times that individual didn't even come out alive, you know, it was called the high priest. But Jesus made a way to every single person had the opportunity to come 24-7, 365, whether you feel, feel like it or not, into the very essence and presence of Jesus. That is amazing to me. That is worship. It's way bigger than singing songs, right? And then out of that intimacy, we really come to know who we are to him. Who we are to the Father as sons and daughters, our value, our worth, our identity. Come on. That's what the earth is looking for. It says the, the, the entire earth is waiting for one thing to be revealed, and it's the sons and daughters of God in their identity. It's incredible. And then when you come into that space, then you're positioned to make an impact in the world, to change the world in your sphere, in your way, in your mode of, 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 of giving to God, like what he has always made you and designed you to do. I feel this, and I want to say this again. I said this over the, the group back there, but if you're here, you're here for such a time as this. Like, our church has never been in the season. I'm with Sarah. Like, never been in the season it is right now, as it is right now. And you're here on purpose. You're here because there's something in you that we need, all of us need. You know, it's not just our relationship with God. It's our relationship with each other. It's both. Trust me. It's the horizontal meeting the vertical. And it's, 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 a, it's, it's a merging of lives and stories and you know, beautiful giftings that, that, that we can go way farther together than we ever could by ourselves. If you believe that, say amen. Awesome. As, as, as I finish there, I want to I let you in on what's on the chair here. Um, there's these little houses, and, and it seems um, so simple, like, what is this? What's all this about? And I want to share with you what, what's going on here. There was um, a meeting that took place I don't know, eight months ago, where some of the leadership with this organically organized movement called Church United, where churches in Broward County 
are asking for Jesus to come and to change our region, make this the best place to live and to work and raise our families because of God's presence, because of his transforming power by his blood. Come on. The blood of Christ able to transform a region. Do you believe that? To make a city better. This is what Christ came to do. He tried to, came to give his life to make the world a better place. And, and there's some, some believers and, and leaders and people that are starting to really grab a hold of that. They, they met with some city officials, and the city officials, to be honest, were a little surprised. They said, wow, we've never really had the church coming to us and asking us what the body of Christ could do for the city. And um, I think they were just kind of seeing how we would respond, but they said, listen, we've got an issue right now um, with broken homes, broken families. Um, there, there's a real uh, epidemic right now as it relates to you know, people having a safe place to, to, to call home for them and their children. And so we're trying to remedy that as a city, and we're asking if the churches would stand with us by just giving change out of their pocket into these little boxes, and we're going to turn them in actually here. I think it's Sunday, November 24th, the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving week. And we're going to pray over these, and we're going to give them to Church United to deliver these to the city. But the reason I feel like this is so significant is what if the church really showed up for this and got the attention of the city, like, wow, these people are serious. I, I really feel like we'll get more seats at the table, so to speak, when there's conversations going on about what are we going to do in our region about X issue. This one may be, you know, housing. The other issue may be, who knows, what, what fill in the blank. But how many of you know that we need to have a seat at the table? Because we really have an answer here for what this, this region needs. And I believe we're a, we're a player in that in a major way. So I'm going to ask that, that all of us, every single adult in our church, husband and wife, would take one of these and just put your change in it and fill it up. And if you fill up one, come back and get another one. And let's, let's blow the minds of these city officials by the number of these that all the churches in Broward County turn in. I'm really believing for that. Could we actually pray for that? Just like, I, I, this sounds so simple. Like, what's the big deal? We're putting some change in a box. It's about having influence. And, and this is what's at stake here. So would you pray with me? Father, would you give us influence in our city? God, we don't want to just be a bunch of un, not relevant religious people that are never being invited to sit down with people that are, that are laying their lives down for the city. God, would you give us a, an opening there? Would you open up that door in Jesus' name? God, would you come and just breathe on this initiative and, and not only here at the harbor, but across all of the other churches in our county that are doing this today as well, would you just... Let something just beyond our wildest imaginations happen. We just love you, Lord. We thank you that this is our place. This is our calling to, to be leaven in our culture. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hey, welcome first-time guests. So glad that you're here. We're actually kicking off today um, a new sermon series called Unsinkable, and it's a series on the kingdom of God. And... You know, we're, we're, we're bringing imagery to this series by using an iceberg because, you know, an iceberg, there's so much to an iceberg that's below the waterline that we are simply unable to see. The same is true with the kingdom of God. 
There's things that we're able to grasp. There's things that we're able to comprehend. Some of that comes easier than others, you know, as it relates to, to, to various relevancies to the kingdom of God. But there's so much below the waterline. And so today, we are partnering with, we know of, 45 other churches in Broward County preaching on the same thing right now on Sunday morning, starting this week and going all the way through November. Never in the history of our region have leaders been able to come together and say, we're going to preach on the same thing for one month and believe God to do something bigger than we could ever imagine. Come on. That's amazing. Because we believe the kingdom of God is unsinkable. All the Titanics can come and meet with this iceberg called the kingdom of God, and the only thing that's going to sink is the, is, the, is the Titanic, right? And we, we, there's a lot of big things and big issues going on in our culture today, but they are just titanic, Titanics. I don't want even, that's not even really a good illustration. It's not good at all. There's people on that boat. Scratch everything, Kevin, please edit all that I just said. <laughs> wow. I'm going to start getting letters from all the relatives of those that were on the Titanic. Um, so the kingdom of God is unsinkable. <laughs> And there's a lot below the waterline. And what we want to talk about first that, that we're going after this morning is truth. The kingdom of God is a kingdom built and sustained upon truth. Now, I just want to read out of John chapter 18, if you'd look there with me. It's this dialogue between Jesus and this guy by the name of Pontius Pilate. He was the most powerful man in Jerusalem at the time. And they're having this exchange beginning in verse 33 when Pilate goes back to his headquarters. So he was a powerful guy, calls for Jesus, and he asks him this one simple question. Are you or are you not the king of the Jews? You see, he was seeing something above the waterline that Jesus was actually talking about this kingdom and that, in fact, he was the king of this kingdom. But there was a lot below the waterline that Pilate had no clue of and wasn't able to see. But he presses in, nonetheless, to get Jesus to answer this question. In verse 34, he says, Is this your own question, or did others tell you about me? He's trying to gauge where Pilate was at in his degree of understanding as it related to the kingdom of God and what it was all about and who he was as this king of the Jews. When Jesus asks him this, Pilate says, am I a Jew? Like, does this have any relevancy to me? Um, your own people and their leading priests brought you to me. Why? What have you done? There was a scandal breaking out, Right? And then Jesus tries to explain to him in verse 36, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom, for if it were, 
my followers would keep to fight me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate comes back, not getting it, and he says, so are you a king? Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born, look at this, and came into the world to do what? To testify of the truth. And all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Pilate in verse 38 says, what is truth? Lord, would you help us somehow today to tackle a very complex reality in our culture right now? The whole issue of truth. Breathe on this time. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. By your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. The other day I had um, a honeydew list item that I needed to complete. Can I get an amen, husbands? And, and one of them was re-black-topping my circular driveway. Darren don't do that by himself, all right? So I actually found this card of this guy that was in our neighborhood doing this in different people's uh, driveways, and I, I phoned him up. He came out. He black-topped the driveway but he missed some stuff that he said he was going to do, so he promised to come back. And, you know, after he had done the work, some leaves and some things fell on the driveway. So I got out my, my weed blower. Is it called a weed blower? Weed, uh, no, leaf blower. And I was blowing off all the stuff on the driveway, preparing for him to come back and do this, this second job on my driveway. And there's all these little creatures that live around our home, all these, um, these outdoor animals, and one of them is, I don't even know the type of, uh, uh, of I don't know what they're called, um, lizard type of thing. But, but one of these, these breeds of lizards, actually, it sounds weird, have become friends to Wendy and I. I don't really understand it, but we connect. And whenever we go out back, they come and hang out with us. They look at us. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bizarre. But it makes living in South Florida fun and nice because we're cohabitating with the animals that are down here. Anyhow, I actually have named this little lizard. I call him Bull because he comes around, hey, Bull, what's up, man? And he just, you know, nods at me and gives me this thing. But as, as I was out blowing off my driveway, Bull decided to come at the air that was coming out of the center of my thing, you know, out of my, my, little, my little weed blower or whatever, leaf blower. And I, I didn't want to do it to him, but I was like, bull, you come and you, you know, you're going to want to play with me here. I, I'm going to blow you over, man, you know. So, and so we were doing this thing and he kept coming and then when he'd get to an angle, I'd kind of hit him and then he would just roll, you know, for a little while. It was fun. He wasn't getting hurt or anything. Uh, if anybody's part of PETA here this morning, it, it was just good fun, all right, between me and my adopted pet. So he was rolling, and he figured out after a little while that he, he needed to stay on the center of the wind trajectory, because if he got off to the left or to the right, I had an angle on him, and I was able to roll him in the driveway. 
so anyhow, this is what went on for a little while in the front yard. Neighbors were driving by like, what's Taryn doing out there with, with, the, with the leaf blower? But this sounds crazy, but in the midst of this, the Lord speaks to me a spiritual truth. And I'm, not, I'm telling you the truth this morning. This is real. And so in this moment, I... I, was, I flashed back to Ephesians chapter 4, and in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about these gifts, these leaders that are given to the earth, given to the body to keep his people from being blown about with every wind of doctrine. And the Lord says to me, into my heart, he says, Darren, you're one of these ones that I've given to the body. And there's many in your midst that have the same calling and the same assignment. In fact, this is going to be a spirit of grace that I'm going to put on your house. So when I was processing this through with the Lord, I was like, well, as it, you know, truth is really powerful. It's like un, 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 imaginable reality of the kingdom of God, but, but it's something that you have to like go straight into in a balanced way. Let me, let me kind of try to explain like what's going on inside of my head. My wife sometimes tells me, Darren, you're so intense and I understand what she's saying, but I'm not so intense that I'm unbalanced. I'm actually very centered in my intensity. Like, I've seen very um, sincere people be um, passionate. I actually find a lot of passion right now in the world. But I find a lot of the passion unbalanced. And because of that, because we're not going straight forward in the, in the, in the things like what I'm talking about this morning, straight towards them, and we're getting a little uh, off the angle, we're going to get blown over, and it's already happening. This is the way that I see it. And as it relates to truth, like what is truth, I see, and I was so like, God, you got to help me this morning to talk about this for the few minutes that I have. I see a massive division between people in the church as it relates to what I call absolute, what's called absolute truth and subjective truth. This used to be just an issue with the church and, and those that were outside of the church, and I actually don't know if we handled it too well, which may be the reason that we have some of the fruit that's taking place right now in the church itself among believers that are, that are really divided as it relates to this stuff called absolute truth and subjective truth. Absolute means free from imperfection, right? Free, completely free from imperfection. And it's one of the reasons right now that people are starting to question the very word of God itself. Because they could say, well, if that was written by men, men are imperfect, and so there's no way that the Bible itself could be free from imperfection. In fact, they'll find contradictions within the word of God to, to, to bolster their argument as it relates to this thing called absolute truth. Absolute truth is something that's true at all times and in all places, is something that is always true no matter what the circumstances. 
And it is a fact that cannot be changed. For example, there are no round squares. Do you believe that? There are no round squares. It's not a trick question. Do you believe that? This is easy. We're just easing in here. Squares cannot be circles, all right? And so that is an absolute truth. It's true at all times, right? But a subjective truth is based off of a person's perspective, feelings, or opinions. In other words, everything we know is based off our input, our senses, our perception. Thus, everything we know is subjective, and all truths are subjective. I don't know if I can preach anymore on this. Let's go home. Come on, somebody. I believe that God wants to bring these two things into the center and make them congruent with one another. Don't amen me yet because you don't know where I'm going with this. It's, it's, what, am I, what am I getting at? I feel that there's been a fear with the church as it relates to subjective truth and absolute truth and the way that we've gone about this because truth affects what we call moral absolutes. Moral absolutes like is abortion right or wrong, is sexuality, marriage. And did you know right now there's something going on in culture because among adults only 32% of those who are born again believe in moral absolutes. Only 15% of those outside the church would say that there's moral absolutes right now in the world. Did you know, this is crazy, among teenagers, only 9% of teenagers would say they believe in moral absolutes, and 4% of non-believers say that there are moral absolutes. So I believe there's this massive divide between absolute and subjective truth, and, and God wants to somehow bring these things into concurrency and keep us centered in the, in the trajectory that we're walking in right now in culture. Here's how I'm going to back that up. Turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 32. It's right here. Jesus himself said, you will know the truth. There's going to be Absolute truth that's going to come and encounter your life. But he's not just going to leave it there. You shall know it, and then you shall enter into an experience from there because the truth will set you free. Are you seeing this? So it's absolute, like there's something about the truth of God that has the power to change a life, but it's not just meant to be theory or to be dogma, or to be stuff that we rant on from some pulpit, but it's to be experiential with someone's life. Does that make sense? So how do we come into that reality? Because it's one thing to say it, and man, I could preach a whole message on this next verse, but I'm just going to kind of put it out there. In Matthew chapter 7, 7, verse 7 and 8, he says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. What I feel is that oftentimes as it relates to this divide and the, and the, 
and the um, disunity that's going on is people have reached a, a place in their understanding of whatever it may be, and they've stopped seeking, they've stopped asking, and they've stopped knocking. What I feel, and this is how I've kind of governed my life, I'm like, Lord, I'm not afraid here to journey this thing called the kingdom of God with you as it relates to truth, because, and this is going to be something that I end with, because you are a good father, and if I'm asking you for truth, if I'm sincerely seeking for truth, if I'm knocking to have a door open to me as it relates to truth, you are not going to give me a stone, you're not going to give me a serpent, you're not going to give me whatever I may think that you're going to give me because I really don't understand that you're a good father. That's a whole other issue which we'll try to get to at the end. I'm going to go for this sincerity of heart. I remember when I first came to know Jesus, the first prayer out of my mouth was, Lord, keep me pliable, keep me flexible. I don't want to become rigid but I never want to ever get deceived. Oh my God, if I would have known the beauty and health of that prayer that I've come to now see the fruit of after all of these years, because we can come become rigid in our belief on whatever side. Keep on asking. We know that a truth, and the truth that we're talking about is way more than an idea, it's a person. It's a person. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. It's a person. And it's a person that as we seek and knock and ask for him to come and engage our lives, he will remedy the, the, the dilemma of our hearts with something very subjective and experiential. Trust me. Well, Darren, I've tried that and it hasn't happened in the last month or six months or a year. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Trust me, you will find it. Keep rustling with these questions that your soul is longing for the answers to. But let's make it a little more practical. How do we get into this space? What is the, 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 the avenue to get there? I believe with all of my heart that the Holy Spirit is the doorway for the nature of Christ that we carry on the inside of us to ultimately align with Jesus' nature itself. Holy Spirit, listen, and, you, and if you guys knew us, you guys can come pass out the communion whenever you're ready. If you knew who we were and the, and the culture of this house, we are not, sometimes people ask you, are you guys charismatic, you Pentecostal, you this, you that. Like, I'm like, I don't even know what you're really talking about. Like, define to me that term. Like, because I'm actually none of those things, really, at the end of the day. But is Holy Spirit a very key part of the Godhead that the church has just not really understood all that well? Absolutely. So as it relates to us giving ourselves over to God himself, it's Father, it's Son, and it's Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is the doorway for our nature that we carry, Christ in us, to align in congruency with the nature of Jesus. Look what John 14 says. We've got to wrap this up. Jesus himself said this, and these are all words of Jesus, by the way, this morning. If you love me, obey my commandments. 
If you stop right there, man, you can get in such a religious ditch. Well, if you love me, then do what I say. And then you try and you just can't do it. Right? Because you're trying in your own strength. Look what he says in the next verse. I will ask Father and he will give you another advocate. An advocate is someone who stands on your behalf. You, listen, you don't want to do this journey called the kingdom of God alone. You will be so frustrated and you will become a very religious person, which I say that in a negative sense. But with Holy Spirit being given to us by the Father, he says that he will what? Never leave us. Never, never, not for one minute, not for one millisecond, not, not ever. He'll never leave us. So that's why when you're seeking, when you're knocking, he's there. And look what he says in verse 17. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you in all truth. Wow. But he also gives some truth here. He says, the world cannot receive him because the world isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. They can't see, just like Pilate, they can't see below the waterline. Oh, Tanya said this this morning. I wanted to like come out of my, my, my chair. He says to just get to the crux of what's going on here. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. There it is. I, I, I want to say this in the kindest way. I, my cracker went to the ground. <laughs> you have a new one. Uh, you have a new That's what happened. I got a new one. Yes. Thank you, John. Now you have a triple portion. Make sure I put that here. <laughs> You never know when you might need that. Um, a lot of people that I see that aren't balanced, yet passionate, what gets them to whatever side is because they don't know the Father through Holy Spirit, still in an orphan space, they're positioned and the enemies blast them and they're just getting rolled over all the time. When you know who you are, you can stay centered in the truth of what's really going on. He allows you to come in, verse 19, in verse John chapter 3, I want to show you this, because this is where it all comes down to. In my opinion, he says, the word of the Lord shows it, he says, our actions, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. That is not a condemning statement. I, I, I'm telling you, like, what I see in this divide on both sides are actions of people. And I'm not talking through a judgmental lens. I'm just saying it for, for real. I don't see the nature of Jesus being expressed. Wow, how do I give an example of this without losing every single person in this room? 
let's say, because in our nation, there's this political divide, would you agree? I actually think it's such nonsense and I think it's like such a distraction and I think it's a real strategy. Though I think it's, we're free to believe where we stand politically and vote out of our convictions. Would you agree with that? But what I see going on is, 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 is really strategic of the adversary that's polarizing people. And when I look at it, when I stand back and look at it from my center perspective, I'm like, oh, so this is what's going on. For example, with life, right? You would have one side that would say life just overtly is valuable. Um, it's, it's God breathed. And because of that, let's pick an issue. Abortion is wrong, right? Then you would have on another side, people seeing that particular political party going to war over oil, killing thousands of people to secure, I'm just talking, I'm just talking out loud here, like not from a super educated, but they're killing, and they would say, what are you talking about? Like, that is life as well. And is it life for the right reason? Is, is there a needed military defense here? Or is there something uh, rooted in greed that has to do with these? The people on both sides, they want the same thing. They want life to be preserved, but they're at odds because one is standing from a moral absolute on a certain truth and the other one is feeling subjectively in their heart a wrong that they see being committed. And they're polarized and they're unable to have a conversation. They're unable to love each other because they're standing in an orphan mindset. And I see the bantering and the ugliness on Facebook and through things that are being posted. I'm like, my God, how in the world are we going to get below the waterline of the kingdom and really advance what this whole thing's all about when we're given all of our time and attention to nothing but nonsense as it relates to how we relate to each other? If you guys, by the way, have any emails that you want to send based on that last comment, you can address them to Julie Stevens at harborchurch.org. But let me throw one last thought in, and then we're going to take communion together. Because this is relevant too. And I see this angle being worked, and I'm like, I don't like this. I, I want to fight against it. But it relates to absolute truth and subjective truth coming together. What do you do when you encounter an absolute truth, but your subjective reality does not align with that, that absolute truth? For example, God is good. I would give my life to say that that is an absolute truth that I have truly come to know. That's my, that's where I stand. That's where the majority, our leadership stands, that God is good. But what do you do when the lens in which you see something through is skewed based on your ability to only see a measure above the waterline, but not the deep realities of what's in the essence of that truth? I'll give you an example. When my mom got sick with cancer, believed 100% 
that she was going to get healed. And I know God to be a good father. Not only do I know him to be a good father, but I believe that he is omnipotent. I'm sorry. Yeah, omnipotent, meaning he is all powerful. I believe that is an absolute truth. But what's the lens that I'm seeing the reality of subjectively what's going on in my own life with my own mother, watching her suffer and then ultimately die, not getting healed from the cancer that she was believing for? I'm saying all this because you're going to come face to face with this at some point in your journey. And I have seen so many Christians get disillusioned with God and His kingdom based on absolute truths that don't mass up with their subjectivity. Because I actually believe that we're going to come more into you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. God is a good father. You see someone get healed, right? God is all powerful. You see him break in. But what about when he doesn't? So we were in North Carolina. Um, My mom had just passed away. We had a leave our house because of Hurricane Irma. We were forced to evacuate. I'm sitting on the porch. I'm wrestling with God as it relates to the truth of Him being good and Him being omnipotent after my mom just passed away. I get a text from Sean Bowles, who will be here, I think, sometime in April doing a seminar on the prophetic. If you're smart, if you want to invest in something that's very valuable and come and learn some things about the kingdom, buy your ticket now. But he texted me And he said, Darren, I heard your mom just pass away. I was praying for you this morning. I had this vision of a young Barbara, if that's her name, dancing with Jesus in heaven. This image flashes into my mind of my mom at like a younger age, maybe like 30-something, beautiful, looking into the face of Jesus where everything was now safe for her. Everything that had come against her life was now defeated and she was enveloped in perfect love. And I said, oh God, now I see your goodness. Oh God, now I see the fullness of your omnipotence. I was able to move below the waterline of my experience and take an absolute truth that I was not connecting with and somehow able to find my way in that space instead of now create another ideology and join with some other camp of friends that are unfortunately in an orphan space because of their own disillusionment and inability to see and now become part of this polarized economy and no longer relevant and powerful with anything that's really going on in the world. I hope this is making sense. The powerful reality of a generation that is going to see transformation in the world is going to be one that takes on the, the, the spirit of truth straight on with full force and be able to come and bring our absolutes with our subjectivity and remain solid in our pursuit of seeking, knocking, and asking. You see, all Pilate knew was what kings were like above a waterline 
but he couldn't see that standing before him was one who could have called myriads of angels that just by the the stain of his hand would have made all of the efforts of his enemies come and falter at their endeavor to bring death to his body through a thing called the cross. Today in culture, we are coming face to face with the cross of Calvary. And I want to ask, how do you see it today? How do you see the reality of what Jesus did on that cross? He came to reconcile all things to himself. He came to liberate those who are in bondage. He came to bring sons and daughters to a place of glory in their journey. And his body was broken and his blood, his perfect, sinless blood was spilled so that we could enter into this redemption. Could you close your eyes with me just for a minute? Could we see below the waterline today? Could we see the goodness of God? Could we see the power and strength of His kingdom that looks so foolish born in a manger living a simple obscure life crucified on a cross but can you see the realm of the kingdom of God that came into his dead body after three days and raised him up out of that place and God says that through his word that he, that he put all of this on to display for the entire world to see that he conquered death hell and the grave in the midst of a politically turbulent time in human history And he set in motion a kingdom that could never be stopped. And he brought people together who were once divided. Today, Lord, could we eat and could we drink of that reality? Help us to see. Help us to see the truth of your kingdom. Could you take eat and drink. I was watching this video, I close with this, of a scientist. He was a brilliant man. You know, scientists are people that you would think, man, they know the truth about a lot of things. And he says, you know, science is not to discover what I know, but rather, rather what I still don't know. Isn't that interesting? That's what he said. 
I believe God's even breathing on science and, you know, revealing truth as it relates to his word and his kingdom and all that. But it's so true that like our intellectual ascent will only lead us to what we really don't even know things about. So when Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, we got to look at the verse before that, John 8, 31. Just put this in your hearts as you go today. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings or my word. Could we pray this together? Father, would you help us to be true disciples in the earth? that reflect your essence, that reflect your nature, and remain faithful to the Word of God, who is a person. May be expressed in letters of the page, it's both, but God, remain true to you. Lord, our allegiance is to you. Our allegiance is to the Son of God. Our allegiance is to the one who's seated at the right hand of the Father. Our allegiance is to the one who is the only human being in human history that got up out of the grave and conquered sin, hell, and death. Our allegiance is to you, Lord. Would you stand all over this place? We're going to... We're going to close out. We're going to have ministry teams up here. We've gone a little bit over. If you could go get your kids right away, that would be helpful. Come back in. But we're going to have ministry teams here because I want to give you an invitation. If you don't already know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, come, and we want to introduce him to you. But if you don't already know Jesus, center yourself this morning with even more fervency to take on truth and seek and knock and ask and humble yourself. If there's anything in the inside of your heart that is offended on either side of whatever place you may find yourself at, let the love of God come and transform you for His glory. As the band leads us, God bless you guys. Have an amazing rest of your Sunday. Ministry teams will be down here as long as you need it. Have an awesome day.